People First podcast is showed presented by people with learning disabilities for our friends and community. We talk about issues that are important to us and interview interesting guests to find out new information. This is our way to make a difference. Hello and welcome to the People First podcast. A few months ago, we visited the Liverpool FC Stadium, Anfield, for a tour. We really enjoyed the day. Now we are delighted to talk to someone from Liverpool FC to learn more about the club and their accessibility. Welcome to Rishi, the Director of Impact at Liverpool FC. Thank you for joining us today, Rishi. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. Thought you, your job role to us, please. Of course I can. So my job role, so my job title is Director of Impact at Liverpool Football Club. Um, what that means and the best way to split it up is into two. So I look after everything the club does around diversity and inclusion. So that is people, processes, culture, networks, policies, how we basically embed diversity and inclusion into all of our decision-making processes as a business. And then really importantly, <clears throat> how we then talk about that to the world. So we feel that we've got responsibility to talk to topics such as Black History Month, such as International Day Disability, Pride, LGBT History Month, International Women's Day. So actually, my, a lot of my job work with my team and colleagues is around how we do that. And then the second side of my role is I look after what we do around the planet. So what we do to support um, the climate, well, not support, to challenge the climate crisis um, and all the work that we do around what's called sustainability. So everything that we do as a football club and what's it to me falls under what's called the red way. So that's our overarching approach to sustainability, and that is people, which is diversity and inclusion, planet, which is the environment, and then communities, which is a lot of the work that's done through LLC Foundation. How did you come to work at Liverpool FC Impact? What sort of work have you done? So how did I... So I worked... So I'm 34 now, just to provide some context, and there's a reason why I'm telling you that. So I started working at Liverpool at the age of 14 to 20 years ago. Um, worked as a volunteer in the foundation, so working in community work, community coaching. Um, went through once I 16, got part-time work and full-time off university. And then so, so I was at the club for nine and a half years. Then I left, which was a hard decision, but the right one, to work for a charity called Kick Out, who an anti-racism charity, working football. And then I did five years at Manchester United, which was a bit like behind enemy lines, but it was good. Enjoyed that. It's not my football team, as you can tell. I've got my Liverpool rubber on, as you can see today. Got me on brand. Um, I can see a thumbs up in the room as well, I like. Um, but then had the opportunity to come back to LFC a couple of years ago, and I'm really glad that I did. So I've come full circle. My career has been predominantly revolved around diversity and inclusion, but only in the past sort of three to four months or so I've taken on that additional responsibility around sustainability. But it is something that I'm really enjoying and feel really proud to work not just for the football club that I support, but also for one of, if not the biggest football club in the world. What is Team Liverpool 
MC Impact, and who do you work with? So our impact, that's a really good question, actually, Daniel. So our impact is essentially what and how we how we engage with the communities that we operate within. And I know that sounds like quite a, a formal way of putting it, but essentially it's like we're Liverpool Football Club, biggest football club in the world. I mean, I've said it once, I'm going to say it again. Biggest football club in the world. Who doesn't know who or what Liverpool Football Club does? Pretty much nobody. So actually, that is where the impact comes from. So actually, when I talk about impact, I also talk about responsibility. So how are we, as a responsible brand, talk to sometimes the issues that can be a bit difficult, that maybe need to see some change, could be around promoting accessibility, could be about sort of challenging racism or discrimination, etc. That's where really the impact piece really comes in into play. Who do I work with? Everyone. My role and Terry, who works in my team, um, we're accountable to everyone at the highest level in the business, across to the players, across men's and women's, academy players, supporters, stakeholders, individuals like yourselves. We're absolutely accountable to everyone because it's really important that we're actually open and willing to talk to it. We can't obviously do everything. Uh, we can't speak to everyone. But actually, we have to make sure that everything that we do does speak to our colleagues, our staff, to our communities, particularly those through LSE Foundation. And then, really importantly, our supporters. Why is it so important that Liverpool FC is inclusive? Good question, that Tom. It's quite hard on that because actually, for me, it's not really a why. It's more of a why wouldn't you be? If that makes sense. I know that sounds a little bit cheesy. It probably is a bit cheesy, but like, why wouldn't any organisation try and be as inclusive as it possibly can? Um, so for us, the work here, yes, I used to do it a long time ago, it was very different, but the work here will continue when I'm not here. Um, I hope it will, I know it will. Like Liverpool Football Club is a football club is built upon sort of supporting other people, um, giving each other a helping hand. Like the, the fact that is the fabric of Liverpool Football Club and also the city in itself. So actually, it's very much like, why wouldn't you want? the football club to be as inclusive as it possibly can. And that's not me sitting here chatting to you all and saying that we're absolutely brilliant at what we do. Like, we're really proud of what we do and really pleased with where we're at. But you'll never hear me say, like, job done, because there's always something going on that we can be better at or we can make more of a difference at in terms of the communities that we operate within and serve. Why is it important that people with political and learning disabilities, how access to support? I think giving people with a disability access to support, it should just be a given. Like, it, I think you're talking about sort of different models of disability and barriers that are in place for people. And actually, we should, I think sport generally, whether it's both watching sport or partaking in sport has to be inclusive and has to be accessible, regardless of the audience. And like we've done a lot of work, and obviously you've been to Anfield and you may have spotted it, we've done a lot of work around the accessibility of the stadium for fans and for, with all types of disability, both physical and learning disabilities, to be able to come and enjoy the game. And like it's really important that we got that, but our foundation, they do an incredible amount of work in terms of participation and engagement with people to provide 
those opportunities to play sports. And sometimes it is a sport when it solely is for a group with a disability because that's actually what will provide the best experience for those individuals. In some cases, we'll actually they'll actually run sessions where it's mixed. So you've got to say of the non-disabled people both partake in the same sport, which is actually, that's where you really want to be from a sport perspective. It's not always ideal. That's all, not, sorry, not ideal. Not always practical to, to do that. But actually, it's really important that we sort of do that. It's a bit like society, generally, isn't it? It's around accessibility. You want to be able to not have to rely on someone else for you to get to where you want to get to. And exactly the same in sport. You shouldn't really have to rely on someone else. It should just be what reasonable adjustments, what adaptations can be made before before time or just be the norm for you to be able to come to Anfield, take part in a foundation session, take part in whatever you want to without just coming in and just being you and being your authentic self. There are many campaigns in football like Rainbow Laces and Taking the Knee. What could the football company do to show more awareness and inclusion to disabled supporters and players? So you are right to call out like Rainbow Laces and take it, Taking the Knee and the No Room for Racing campaign, etc. Um, they're really important issues and rightly get a lot of focus. So we do a couple of key campaigns around accessibility, namely with level playing fields. I'm not sure if you've heard of them before. So they're an um, access charity who work in sports. So we work with them to complete access audits of our stadium. So literally bring the auditor to Anfield. They'll spend a few days, look at all of our sites and give us a report in terms of how accessible we're at um, and what we need to improve on from a facilities perspective. But we'll also support them from a campaigning perspective for their weeks of action campaign um, every year. I think to answer your question specifically about like what more can football community do is probably more all year round campaigning and raising awareness of the celebration of disability in sport, whether that's players, spectators, whoever. Um, because actually, if you feed that message and that celebration, into like an all year round message, then you don't need to wait for a campaign to come up, go, oh, that's highlighted today. And then we'll see you again in 11 and a half months. It's, we should be highlighting it all the time and it just becomes the norm in that sense. And I know it's a balance because you do need to have the moments where you do celebrate, i.e. like Black History Month. But actually, I think where we'll really see success is if you see disability, sort of inclusion and accessibility just part and parcel of what football has seen as so it was celebrating and you see a lot of like for example a lot of the work that we do now from like uh, when we're creating content and videos and things like that we'll actually just really naturally just feed in disabled supporters into that very normally so we've had Tilly who's one of our uh, members from the Liberal Disabled Support Association we've had her in one of our retail campaigns as a model so we didn't tell everyone she was disabled. You look at her and I think, I think she uses a frame or a chair. Um, so you can see that she's got a disability, but we didn't announce everyone, look, we've got a disabled model. We just naturally integrated her into that retail campaign as a model. Um, and that's exactly our vision, is how do you naturally just talk about and showcase accessibility in the right way, but in a really authentic way, where actually you're not doing it because... You go like, right, we need to show someone who's disabled. You're actually doing it because it's the right thing to do and you've got the right people there. And the campaign and the content stuff is a really important way and quite a simple way of anyone being able to do that. 
we were impressed how accessible the stadium tour was with lifts and disabled toilets. How accessible a Liverpool FC's other activities and projects. And firstly, I'm really glad that you're impressed with the stadium piece because a lot of people have put a lot of work into that. So I'm really glad that the tour was accessible and you really enjoyed that. Because again, when I talked earlier about like making sure that I or is a great example of where people have been able to do that. I suppose when you say other activities and projects, our main site is Anfield, so you've seen it in terms of how it's integrated. And on a match day, we've got a number of base or wheelchair users. You've got different vantage points. You've got lounges with hospitality space, which are accessible. Um, so that's fully integrated into the stadium. From other sites that we have, we've obviously got the training ground, we've got the academy, we've got Axel Woods, which is where the women's team are. They're all relatively accessible in terms of where they're at. Um, Axe Training Centre, which is where the men's are, that's fully accessible. Um, Melwood, yes, again, fully accessible. It's got lift access. But what I would say is when we're having these orders that I mentioned before through organisations like Level Playing Field, they give us, like, a, at the end of it, you get, like, an action plan with a list of recommendations. So any sort of work that we're doing, any refurbs or any sort of work that we're doing to sort of maybe change the structure of a building or just even just a layout, we've got those accessibility considerations built into that plan. So actually there are some areas which aren't accessible as we want them to be. We know that the next time we give it a bit of a facelift to do a bit of decoration, we can actually make some of those changes. Not all of them, because some of them are really big and really structural and it's not practical to do that. Um, but we'll do as much as we possibly can. Um, but our commitment is like, and where we want to be, and I think where society should really want to be, is that everything is just naturally accessible. Um, and it's just the norm as well. And I know, unfortunately, we, we are a long way off that. And I'm sure you can all speak to that with your own experiences much better than I can. Um, but actually, that's ideally from a, a world and a bigger picture perspective is where I think we'd all agree that we want to be. One thing we found challenging about the stadium, Tom, was using the guided tour phones without support. How do you work with disabled people to make things more accessible? That feedback is really helpful. So that I haven't seen that, to be honest. So hopefully you've fed that back to the team. Um, if not, I'm happy to take that away and you'll be off and do that. Because actually that's making me think now, okay, what could we do to make that experience for you more inclusive, more accessible? And that's what I mean. Like we, I know we do great stuff. I'm really proud of what we do, but we can always do something differently or better, depending on the audience. Um how we work with disabled people so our main sort of stakeholders around disability inclusion are the lbsa liberal disabled support association um that's a group of around i think two thousand supporters they've got a committee etc and they're sort of our ally but also our critical friends so we'll work in partnership with them multiple external organizations but very much with the lbsa around engaging with disabled young people, running events, etc. But really importantly, they'll also raise that that issue, just like you've mentioned, with us and say, right, what are you going to do about it? And we need that around you. You need people who are going to say, this wasn't quite, quite up to scratch. Let's work together to find a solution. And the LDSA are just a brilliant organisation. Ted Morris, who chairs the LDSA, is just an incredible man. Um, in terms of the way he does things. Actually, I was at, he couldn't go on, unfortunately. And this is interesting, actually, it's very relevant 
Um, he's flown to Toulouse, yes, last night, because um, we played Toulouse in the Europa League on Thursday. He was meant to fly today, but he couldn't fly because it's, um, the airline company rang him and said, your flight that you were booked on is not accessible enough, so you're going to have to go on an earlier one. So I was like shocked. He's then missed an award, missed this awards dinner that we had last night, where he actually won an award as unsung hero, Northwest Footballs, which is amazing and so well deserved. Um, and I had to go up for him, and I sort of was a bit nervous about trying to do him justice, but actually, it sort of shows like the LGSA is an organisation incredible, and he's a brilliant man in terms of what he does. But that's an indication, like there is a hell of a lot more stuff that we need that needs to be done society-wise. Um, to to make a real difference with disabled supporters and all disabled people, to be totally honest, not just in the football setting. What is your favourite part of your job? So, except for this conversation, Daniel, because this is up there, to be honest, because I've really enjoyed this with you all. Um, I would say the variety of what I get to do, like my day and my week, like jumps from topic to topic to topic, um, and that's brilliant. And sometimes it's a bit. It's a bit mad. It's a bit like sometimes I'm like, right, what's my next meeting? What's going on? And you jump around and all But actually, that's what makes my job like absolutely wonderful. So one minute I could be working on like a campaign content for like Black History Month, and then the next I could have a meeting with like a commercial partner, and the next thing I'd have a staff inclusion network meeting, and then I could have loads of other bits and bobs all happening. And it's really important and really great, but actually it's great for me just to be able to sort of chop and change and do all these other things. So like we week this week, yesterday, I was delivering training for our academy players. Um, today, sorry, today I've been delivering a workshop to our um, commercial team, speaking to you, I've got a meeting after this, tomorrow I'm going to London, Friday I'm at London, and it's great. So all that variety, it keeps me super busy, but it's really fun. What? please do you have for the future so what plans do we have for the future genuinely to like make a difference and keep on making a difference so that will sit across the campaigning piece it'll be content it will be diversifying the workforce it will be what can we do to support breaking down barriers for disabled people how can we positively influence the planet reduce carbon emissions, how can we engage with more communities? Like the list is endless, but generally you can sort of encapsulate that with being the best football club on the pitch and the best football club off the pitch. Like we want Liverpool Football Club to be a brand where and a football team where people are like winning all the big trophies. Obviously that's what we want. But also being an absolute leader and making the difference, not just for Football fans, not just for Liverpool fans, but for all people across the world. So, first of all, um, I, I've got something to, to add. So, we're an advocacy organisation, and um, normally football isn't something that we would necessarily cover. However, H here <laughs> had never been to a football stadium and has loved Liverpool for many, many years yeah. and has talked about it for such a long time that. Um, He's opened our eyes to the world of football and helped organise this day, this um, trip to, uh, to Anfield. And we've had the most wonderful day. And I just want to thank you. I, um, 
we've started doing these sessions with our guys, um, football sessions, and just seeing the joy on people's faces when they've scored a goal. It's, it's just beautiful. And um, I really want to thank you for trying to make football more accessible to people with learning disabilities and autism. And I guess one thing that Isha and I have talked about is the, the anxiety about going to a football game because of all the many people there. What would you say to somebody who has autism or gets overwhelmed by crowds? How can they enjoy a football game like anybody else? So thank you for that. So at Anfield, it's, out, it's currently um, undergoing a bit of redevelopment work at the moment, so it's slightly out of action, but it is being worked on. We've got a sensory room. Um, so actually what that allows is for people who may well get overwhelmed or have sort of as sensory overload and they have to use that to use that space um, and just come in and enjoy the game. So it's behind glass, you can still watch the game live, but there's a really simple but important feature on the side, there's a little dial and you can dial the sound up and down in the room. And there's loads of like tactile things in there, loads of things to distract you, loads of bean bars, loads of chill out spaces, etc. But actually, the vision with the sensory room is that we recognise this isn't for everyone. But you come to Anfield, you do hopefully if you're if you're able to lucky enough to be able to come regularly, do your first few games in the sensory room and you might go, you know what, I'm gonna go out and see whether I'm ready to go out. And in time, hopefully like I know what it's going to be like. I'm not going to have that overload. I might wear your defenders, and that's absolutely not a problem. I might sit in a slightly quieter area of the ground. Again, not a problem. But actually, use the sensory room as a space to build up into going into the sort of more general missionaries at the stadium. Because that's what we'd want to be. Because the sensory room, we can hold about sort of 10 people in total with one other person coming with them. So it's not the biggest. Um, but actually, we found lots of success with that space and being able to give a lot of people more opportunities to go and watch games at Anfield. Who's your favourite football player? Oh, that's a great <laughs> You know what? It's going to have to be Mo Salah. It has to be. You know what? The only reason I had to think about that is because I'm tired from last night. Um, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's best current football player. Mo, yeah, without a doubt. I grew up like I'm. Yeah, I grew up with Gerard as my sort of idol. Um, but Mo is just unbelievable. Feel very lucky to be able to watch him every week playing in Liverpool Red. Are you um, <clears throat> being sad when Mo Salah leaving Liverpool? When, well, hopefully he doesn't leave. That would be the if he just stays forever. <laughs> yeah. I've got no influence over that at all, unfortunately. I wish I did. I wish we all did. Every Liverpool fan would say the same, I'm sure. Um, it is, you know what, it is generally, it is, as a fan, it can be sad for, for players to leave. But actually, I look back and think that's just an indication of like how great they've been for the team. It's like in life with anything, you leave and you go to a new job or something like that, if you're sad about leaving and people are sad about you leaving, it's because you left a good sort of impact and that environment. And I think we had a couple of players leave in the summer, like like Bobby Firmino, Jordan Henderson, a couple of others. And you do look back and think, oh, it was sad to have lost them, but also it's unfortunately just part of life. But hopefully, to answer that, hopefully Mo doesn't go anywhere for a long time. 
Um, um, I was going to say, um, do you think Liverpool's um, going to win for, um, for the league? So we're not in the Champions League this year, unfortunately. I'd like to think we could do really well in the Europa League. Um, we're definitely in and amongst the favourites. To be honest, to win any trophy is brilliant, but I know what you mean. To win the Premier League or a European trophy is like always the big one. So fingers crossed. Maybe we'll have this conversation again at like end of May and we'll see. Well, Liverpool um, be on the top and great potato. Premier League. I hope. So we're in our third at the moment, aren't we? Which isn't too bad after 11 games. We've had some tough games as well. I hope we're there or thereabouts. That's always what you want, isn't it? To go into the last couple of months and you're fighting and you're challenging. It's going to be tough because obviously there's so many strong teams this year. Like I saw a statistic that said this is the most points that a top four had ever got in the first 10 games in the entire history of the, say, in the history of the Premier League in 1993. So like that shows how high the quality is this year. Um, if you can get a bit of luck, get some obviously score more goals, and hopefully get some teams to do us a few favours, then fingers crossed we'll be celebrating a title win in May. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That's all we have time on this show. Thank you, Devosh, with you for your time today. We have Lily joining talking to you today and learning about impacts and LSC is there anything uh, you would like to ask for we and this week episode. Oh thank you Daniel. I thank you everyone for having me. All I'd like to say is thank you for obviously coming to Anfield. I'm so glad that you had a great time. Um, I'm really honoured that you asked me to be part of this. So hopefully we can stay in touch. Um, I'd like that, and hopefully there is an opportunity for me to come back to Anfield. And if I can make it work in the diary, I'd love to meet you all in person. And And yeah, thank you, everyone. Honestly, it's been lovely to speak to you all and meet you all as well. Thank you, everyone. The rest of your week. See you later. Remember to like and share and follow the show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. You can find us by searching for the People First Broadcast. Thanks for listening.